We're going to read the Mary Tyler Moore Show pilot. Um, I thought that would be fun. This is one of, Mary Tyler Moore, I don't know about you, but this is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, Ben had the idea, like, maybe because we read the Blacklist pilots and we didn't like any of them. And so Ben had the idea, like, maybe we'll do a classic pilot. And I said, well, if we could do the Mary Tyler Moore Show pilot, uh, I would love that. And And of course we can. Yes. Um, Um, And it's a great pilot. It is a great pilot. I've uh, seen it. You've read it as well as yeah. Um, it is great. And part of, I think, what makes it great is how immediate you'll see when you hear it, how immediately you know who everyone is, every character. All, within just a couple lines, you know who those people are. Um, and there are two, just listen, there are two scenes that I think are just like poetry, amazing. One is Mary's interview with Lou, where she keeps answering the question before, which is just <laughs> incredible. And the other is uh, when, when Lou comes over to her apartment drunk and is typing a letter to his wife at the same time she's having the scene with her ex-fiance. And both those scenes are just tour de force, just the perfect sitcom scenes. And to have two of them in a pilot is remarkable. Yeah. And we're lucky to have this amazing cast bringing it to life here on the stage today. Yes, a cold read. Uh, <laughs> the other two, they did run through once. This one, we didn't, so we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be great. Are we ready? I'm ready. Are you guys ready? <laughs> right. I think they're ready. From the Thrilling Adventure Hour in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the upcoming Kong Skull Island, please welcome Mark Evan Jackson. You know her as Sally Draper from Mad Men, Kiernan Shipka. From the Carmichael Show, Amber Stevens-West. From the Grinder, Natalie Morales. From the OC and the Thrilling Adventure Hour, among many other Lifetime movies, please welcome Autumn Reeser. From Lady Dynamite and a Serious Man, Fred Melamed. From Mad Men, Rich Summer. From Veep and Drunk History, Craig Kakowski. And finally, the delightful host of the I Was There Too podcast and part of Super Ego, Matt Gorley. Tyler Moore Show, Love is All Around, by James L. Brooks and Alan Burns. Act one, fade in, interior apartment day. It is totally devoid of furniture. There's a set of large windows, the drapes drawn over them. The door opens and Phyllis enters, turns on the lights, followed by Bess and Mary, who is carrying a small overnight bag. Well, Mary, here it is. What do you think? Oh, Phyllis, it's really charming, isn't it? Why are we showing her this? Because she's going to be living here. Won't that be fun, having Aunt Mary living right upstairs from us? She's not my aunt. Uh, well, no, Bess, I'm not. But I've been a friend of your mother's for a long time, and sometimes... Bess is right, Mary. We try and be very truthful in our family. You're not her aunt. <laughs> no, that's right, Bess. I'm not your... You know, Bess, I can't get over how you've grown. 
grown. You're just, you're so big for your age. How old are you, uh, eight? Eleven. <laughs> Gee, this is such a charming place. I thought this was gonna be Aunt Rhoda's apartment. Who's Aunt Rhoda? Ugh, this dumb, awful girl who lives upstairs that Bess likes. She's not your aunt. <laughs> Rhoda thinks this is gonna be her apartment. That's why I signed a year's lease for you. You signed a year's lease for me before I even saw it? Well, wait till you see the view. It's incredible. She yanks the cord on the drapes, revealing Rhoda outside on the balcony washing the windows. <laughs> Everyone reacts. Hiya, Rhoda! Oh, that dumb, awful girl. Don't pay any attention to her. I'm gonna go get the owner. Come on, Bess. She exits. From behind the drapes, Rhoda starts banging on the window. Bess opens the drapes a crack and peers out at her. Aunt Rhoda's really a lot of fun. Mother hates her. <laughs> Bess exits quickly, leaving Mary alone. Rhoda continues beating an angry tattoo on the window. When the knocking almost reaches the glass-breaking stage, Mary apprehensively crosses back to the window and opens the drapes. Rhoda is caught in mid-wrap. Uh, do you want to give me a hand, will you? Mary helps her in the window. Thanks a lot. So you're Rhoda. Morgan Stern, right. Hi, I'm, I'm Mary Richards. Get out of my apartment. <laughs> um, okay, look, I don't really know all the details, but Phyllis will be right back and we can talk about it. I don't talk to her. And besides, there's no discussion. Would I be out in the snow when washing windows of your apartment? No. <laughs> I'd do that for my apartment. Would I spend a whole month's salary on a beautiful new carpeting for you? I never saw you before. No, I did it for me. <laughs> salary. Phyllis re-enters. The owner's away for a few days, but his wife said, oh, what did you let her in for? <laughs> Phyllis, I can't take this apartment after she just spent a month's salary on new carpeting. This is old carpeting. It's not new. It comes with the apartment. Mary turns and looks at Rhoda for an explanation. You lied to me. Boy, are you gullible. <laughs> okay, you want to tell me the truth? I'll, I'll tell you the truth. This is going to be my apartment. <laughs> but I have a lease. Did you sign it yet? Well, no, but Phyllis... Actually, I didn't say it. <laughs> All right, Rhoda. You, you know what? I'm going to tell you why Mary needs this apartment more than you do. Why she's moved here to Minneapolis. No! Shh! Tell me. A beautiful romance just blew up in her face. <laughs> Mary throws her hands in the air in frustration. Okay, it did not blow up. I made the decision. See, I was sort of involved with somebody for a couple of years, and what now I'm telling her? For two long years, <laughs> through his internship and then his residency at the hospital, Bill let her almost support him. Okay, how about if I asked you very nicely just to start For this? two long years, he promised her that the minute he started his practice, they'd be married. Would you please stop this? After two long years, tell her what he said, Mary. Go ahead. After, after two long years, he said, he, he said, why rush into things? That's why she's here, Rhoda. To start a new life for herself. That's why she needs this apartment. Compared to my life, it sounds like laughing. So now, if you girls will kindly clear out, I'm going to get back to washing my windows. Come on, Mary. You can stay downstairs with us tonight. There's an extra bed in Bess's room. She picks up Mary's overnight bag. I've got to go on some job interviews right now. You go ahead. We'll settle this tomorrow. It's already settled. Phyllis exits. Mary turns back to Rhoda. You think I'm a pushover, don't you? That all depends. Compared to who? Anyone? Yeah. 
then you're in for a pretty big surprise because if you push me, I just might have to push back hard. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't carry that off. I know. <laughs> she turns and exits, and we dissolve to the newsroom evening. It is 6 p.m., heavy activity preparatory to the 6 o'clock news. Lou, crossing to the teletype room, barks an order to Murray, who is typing furiously. Murray, we're on the air. Turn on the monitor. Murray turns up the volume on the TV monitor. Ted Ladies Ford. and gentlemen, good evening. <laughs> Ted Baxter with the 6 o'clock report and tonight's headlines. Mideast crisis worsens as border attacks continue. Experts predict that in five years, air pollution will reach legal proportions. That's lethal! <laughs> Murray snaps off the set in disgust. Mary enters the newsroom, tries to catch several people's attention. Excuse me. Hello. Um, oh, I'm supposed to see a Mr. Grant about a secretarial job? It's been filled. Lou, annoyed, turns down the TV volume again. Since this young lady came to see Mr. Grant, why don't you let Mr. Grant handle it? Right in there. He points to an inner office, then motions for Mary to go in. It's been filled. We're interior Lou's office. Mary enters. A beat later, Lou follows her in. Do you have any idea when Mr. Grant will be back? I'm Mr. Grant. You're back! <laughs> she gives him a winning smile. He doesn't return it. Mary's smile fades. Look, I was just going to have a drink, and uh, I wouldn't mind company. You want one? I don't think so. Thank you. I said I wouldn't mind company. Uh, uh Okay. Lou nods and reaches down and opens the bottom drawer of his desk and starts to take a bottle of whiskey and two shot glasses out. I'll have a Brandy Alexander. <laughs> Lou puts the bottle and glasses back in the drawer and closes it. Maybe some coffee? Oh, that would be fine, thank you. Lou pours a cup for Mary and one for himself. So has the job been filled? Yeah. Oh. Mary starts to get up, but Lou waves her down. But uh, there's another job. Oh? I was figuring I'd hire a man for it. She starts to rise again. Oh. But uh, we can talk about it. He hands Mary a cup of coffee and scans her application. Hey, you live in my favorite neighborhood. I just moved in. Is it really nice? Nice. Some of the best saloons in town are right over there. <laughs> Mary reacts. Lou puts aside the application form and looks at her. Say, how old are you? Thirty. No, uh... Hedging? No, how old do I look? Why hedge about it? How old do I look? Thirty. What religion are you? He opens a drawer and pours a blast of whiskey into his coffee. Uh, Mr. Grant, I don't know quite how to say this, but you're not allowed to ask that when somebody's applying for a job. It's against the law. Do you want to call a cop? <laughs> no. Good. So would I be violating your civil rights if I, if I asked if you were married? Presbyterian. <laughs> I just decided I would rather answer your religion question. Divorced, huh? No. Never married? No. Why? 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 <laughs> okay. Do you, uh, you type? Look, there's no simple answer to that. Yes, there is. You can either say, no, I can't type, or yes, I can't. There's no simple answer to why a person isn't married. How many answers could there possibly be? Sixty-five. 
Where's the map? My typing question. Look, miss, why don't you try answering the questions as I ask them? Well, I would, Mr. Grant, but you've been asking a lot of very personal questions that don't have a thing to do with my qualifications for this job. You know what? You got spunk. I hate spunk. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll try you for a couple of weeks, and we're going to see how it works out. If I don't like you, I'll fire you. If you don't like me, I'll fire you. Oh, that certainly sounds fair. What's the job? The job is that of associate producer. Associate producer? Nothing wrong? Mary looks up, and we see that the funny look on her face has become a broad smile. No, I like it. Associate producer. The job pays $10 less a week than the secretarial job. Her smile fades a little, and then she does some quick financial figuring. I think that'll be OK. If you can get by on 15 less a week, we'll make you producer. <laughs> All I can afford is associate producer. All right, you start tomorrow. Wonderful. Okay, well, see you tomorrow. She raises her hand in a wave and then exits. Associate producer. And we dissolve to Mary's apartment. It's about 8 o'clock. Mary's furniture has arrived, and Phyllis and Bess are arranging it. Bess is wearing a nightie and a robe. It's great furniture, but they have arranged it unimaginatively so that it looks like the before picture in a house and garden before and after interior decorating layout. <laughs> Phyllis looks up when she hears the sound of a key turning in the door, but not opening it. You've done a wonderful job, Bess. Thanks, Mom. Phyllis, are you in there? Just a sec. My key doesn't work. I had the lock changed to keep dumb, awful Rhoda out. <laughs> I've got great news. Phyllis opens the door and Mary enters, all a bubble. I got a job. I went on this interview for a regular secretary job, and she breaks off seeing their two expressionless faces. What's the matter? You haven't even noticed that your furniture arrived. Oh, great. <laughs> I didn't tell you about my new job. Oh, hi, Bess. I, I got there a little late, and there's something still the matter. Bess arranged it for you. <laughs> Bess stares at Mary, daring her not to like it. <laughs> Bess, it looks... Terrific. I really like it. Really. Really. <laughs> okay, so the job is at WJM-TV in the newsroom. It's not quite as important as the title sounds, but I, I don't, didn't I think Bess enough? <laughs> oh, it, it's just that I have some rather shattering news for you, but it can wait. Tell me about your new job. <laughs> Bess, bored with it, crosses to the couch and lies down on it. Shattering news? What's this new job of yours? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm only an associate producer. What's the shattering news? I got a long distance phone call today, and I was on for 45 minutes, and guess what? Your boyfriend's coming. That was mother's news best. <laughs> <laughs> I realize you wanted to tell her too, but, but that was mother's news, Bess. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Bill, Bill's coming? Is, is Bill coming? She realized she's asking this 11-year-old hostile mute for information concerning her life. <laughs> then turns back to Phyllis in exasperation. Phyllis, yes, Bill's coming. He'll be here tomorrow night. 
We'll leave you alone. I know exactly how you feel. I don't know how I feel. Well, I do. Come on, Miss. She exits. Bess stands up, looks around at the apartment. I really didn't mind arranging your furniture. Mother said it was the least we could do after what you've been through. Did Mother tell you exactly what I've been through? Everything. She exits. Mary sits down and absorbs this as we fade out. End of Act One. We fade into Mary's apartment in the morning. It's the next morning we see Mary has wrought some startling changes in the decor merely by rearranging her furniture, grouping the paintings, putting books on shelves, etc. She's asleep in the sofa bed. After a beat, we hear muffled footsteps coming towards the door, stopping. Muffled voices are followed by the distinct sound of the lock being picked. Mary is making the bed when the door swings open and the lights go on. There, revealed, stand Rhoda and a locksmith. You moved in to my apartment. Rhoda, this is my apartment. So this is your little trick that's changing the lock? Wait a minute, what's going on here? You told me you live here. <laughs> uh, who, who's he? A locksmith, what do you think? Here. She hands him some money, begins to push him out the door. No, no, I can't go along with this. This is her place, I just helped you break in. Yeah, that's exactly what you did. Look, even if you did, it's already done, so what can you do? <laughs> the locksmith considers for a beat, shifting from foot to foot, then... I see your driver's license? <laughs> If anything happens here, I want to know who you are. Mary and Rhoda look at each other. I'm not going to show you my driver's license. In that case, I'm going to memorize your face. <laughs> Small mole, left cheek. He stares directly at her for a long beat and then exits. Mary finally lowers her robe, which she has been holding in front of her. Do you always look that good when you wake up? I don't know. I look like John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> look, Rhoda, I'm starting a new job today, and... Who'd you get that nightie from? Trisha Nixon? <laughs> <laughs> my mother sent it to me from my hometown, Renville, Minnesota. Oh, why would anybody want to leave a swinging town like Renville, Minnesota? <laughs> no, don't tell me. Let me guess. You knew all the boys, you weren't particularly interested in any of them, so you just left. Mary starts to shake her head no, but segues into a nod, yes. That's exactly right. How did you know? Yeah, I left my hometown for the same reason. I'd gone out with every available man. I'm from New York City. <laughs> I hear your adopted boyfriend is making a little house call tonight. How did you know that? Bess told me. She opens the door and then turns back. Hey, Mary, I hope everything works out for you. I really do. Thank you. Because if it does, you'll move out of here and all of this will be mine. <laughs> all mine. She gestures to Mary's apartment. Rhoda, in spite of everything, you're a hard person to dislike. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm having a hard time hating you too. We'll both have to work on it. <laughs> She exits before Mary can say anything else nice to her, and we dissolve to the newsroom, 5.51 p.m. Once again, the time for frenetic activity in the newsroom prior to the 6 o'clock report. At a desk just outside Lou's office is Mary. All this activity, and she has nothing to do. It's been that way for hours. In an effort to fill this void, Mary is sharpening pencil after pencil in an electric sharpener. Now, the last pencil perfectly honed, she places it in a glass holder. 
She folds her hands, shifts uncomfortably, eyes the pencil container, and then, with stealth, reaches over and breaks the point of one pencil <laughs> and sharpens it anew. Lou comes to the door of his office. Somebody get Baxter in here. I think he's in makeup. Mary eagerly moves from her chair. I'll do it! Lou waves her back in her chair and points to a copy boy who exits. He'll do it. When I say somebody, I mean him. Mr. Grant, I wonder if you could give me something to do. I'd like to be a little busier. I'm too busy to keep you busy. As Lou goes back into his office, Mary turns to Murray. He happens to be the only person handy. Why'd he hire me? Why? Maybe he was bombed. No, I mean it. <laughs> I mean, come, come on, I was sitting right across from him. He wasn't bombed at all. Uh, okay, maybe he poured a couple of drops into his coffee. His coffee isn't even coffee. <laughs> Ted Baxter enters, and as always, there's the feeling that he expects applause. <laughs> <laughs> wearing a makeup bib tucked around his collar. He smiles benignly at all the creative industry around him. Here he is, the Marcello Mastriani of Minneapolis newscasters. Why, thanks, Murray. <laughs> Wasn't a compliment. He has trouble speaking English, too. <laughs> Baxter laughs hollowly, then stops in his tracks, seeing Mary for the first time. He flashes his caps at her and strips off his glasses and stares at her in a manner which he believes connotes disarming sincerity. <laughs> Hi, you haven't met me. I'm Ted Baxter, the anchorman. <laughs> Mary Richards, I'm the new... As her eyes fall on all those recently sharpened pencils, she finds herself unable to say associate producer. She gestures futilely. Wonderful. I've been telling Lou we needed a new one. Welcome to... <laughs> Welcome to my six o'clock news team. <laughs> Baxter, you knock it off. Come with me to the studio. As he passes Mary's desk, the phone rings. Mary quickly picks it up. Newsroom. Oh, yes, Mr. Grant. Um, just a minute. It's your wife. She's just about to leave for the airport. Yeah, she's going to her sister's for a month. Well, tell her I'll speak to her when she gets back. <laughs> As he starts away with Baxter, Mary reacts, then cups her hand around the mouthpiece of the phone to talk to Mrs. Grant. Murray, give me that list of words that Ted mispronounced on last night's show. <laughs> Murray hands him a long sheet of paper, and Lou scans it. Check the top one, Lou. Chicago. Now, <laughs> now wait a minute, Murray. <laughs> Take that makeup bib off, would you? Last week you wore it halfway through the show. <laughs> they exit with Ted bringing up the rear. Mary hangs up the phone, and it immediately rings again. Murray exits during the following. Newsroom. Oh, hi, Bill. What are you doing in town? Yes, that's right. I work here in the newsroom. Associate producer. Can you believe that? Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm really busy. No, I'm not too busy to talk. How long are you going to be in town? Um, sure. Yeah, drop by tonight. It'll be good seeing you, too. Bye, Bill. She hangs up and looks pensive for a beat. Lou enters, crosses to Murray's desk, picks up something, and starts out again. Mr. Grant. Yeah, I know. You, you want more to do. We're going to get it straightened out tomorrow. No, that, that wasn't it. I was wondering if I could get off a little early tonight. Early? 
Well, I don't know. I'm not sure that I can spare you. <laughs> he waves for her to go and exits. We dissolve to Mary's apartment, night. Phyllis is alone in the living room, sullenly studying the new furniture arrangement. You changed the room around. Personally, I didn't think there was a thing wrong with the, West, the way Bess arranged it, but... No, I just, I switched a few things around. Well, it's, it's your apartment. Until you're married, anyway. Just because Bill's coming over tonight does not mean I'm getting married. Phyllis smiles at her, then takes both Mary's hands and squeezes them together in hers. I want to see you married, Mary. Mary is becoming increasingly uncomfortable in Phyllis's ever-tightening grip. Oh, thanks. You, me too. Because I'm married, and, and I know about marriage. <laughs> I know how... <laughs> I know how beautiful it can be if you look at it realistically, you know? I mean, realistically. Face the fact that it means a certain amount of sacrificing, unselfishness, denying your own ego. Phyllis's grip tightens. Sublimating. Accommodating, <laughs> surrendering. Phyllis, say it. You're hurting my hands. Phyllis releases her, and Mary works the circulation back in her hands. Try and remember what I've told you. Sure. Phyllis crosses to the door, then dramatically with emphasis. I know about marriage. <laughs> she exits. <laughs> Mary evidences relief. Now, somewhat nervously, she moves to her closet, opens the door, and looks at herself in front of the full-length mirror. She considers just how sexy she dare look for Bill. That decision centers on a row of buttons running down the front of her blouse. The third button from the top is the big question. She unbuttons it, looks at herself for a beat, tentatively unbuttons the fourth one down, shocks herself, and quickly rebuttons it. The doorbell rings. Mary unconsciously reacts, reaches up, and unbuttons that third button. Mary opens the door, and Lou Grant is standing there. He is steady, but tilting slightly. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Grant. Lou enters, Mary eyeing him warily as he grins at her. Hi. If Mary had any doubts that Lou is certified drunk, they are now dispelled. Hi. Nice place. He sits on the edge of the chaise. Thank you. I think it's beginning to shape up. I mean, you know, everything hasn't arrived yet. I need some drapes for that window. I don't really know why you're here, Mr. Grant. Well, I was just in the neighborhood visiting one of my favorite spas. <laughs> my wife left today. She's going to be away for a solid month. Oh, now I know why you're here. Well, yes, Miss Associate Producer, he told you he'd find something for you to do. Yes, you sure didn't get the job because of your personality. She throws up her hands and walks away from the staring Lou. You know, you got a great caboose. Yeah, oh, that's it. You got the job because you're a great caboose. You're not as great as my wife's. Mary turns and looks at him with surprise. You know, she... She only left today, and I miss her already. I'm going to write her a letter. Is that a typewriter? Uh, well, <laughs> I just moved in. 
and I don't know where it is. Lou spies a portable typewriter case and goes for it. Ah, there's a little portable devil. <laughs> you know, there's a whole slew of typewriters down at the office. Yep. So wouldn't you be more comfortable there? Nope. You'd have more privacy? Nope. He starts typing. My dearest darling, dear Cookie, I miss you. The doorbell rings. Lou finishes typing the sentence, then stops, searching for his next sentence. Mary looks from the door to Lou and back again. What can she do? She crosses to the door, takes a breath, puts a smile on her face, and opens the door. Note, with the door open, Lou's presence is screened from whomever is at the door. There stands Bill. He's holding a small, elegant basket of mixed flowers. He and Mary stand there and look at each other for a short beat. How are you? <laughs> Fine. Lou, whose fingers have been poised over the typewriter, has a sudden thought and begins typing madly. How are you? <laughs> I am fine. <laughs> no, I'm not. Bill looks at Mary, then peers around the door to see Lou typing along, oblivious to all else. He looks back to Mary questioningly. That's my new boss. Uh, down at the newsroom? Bill peers around the door again. Is there a big news story here? <laughs> He's writing to his wife. She gestures that he's been drinking. I miss you more than... Uh, Mary takes the basket of flowers from Bill and smiles with pleasure as she looks at them. Where do you ever get roses in winter? Roses in winter? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> she puts the flowers on a table, then sits down and almost shyly begins to arrange them. She smiles at him, then looks down at the flowers, definitely touched now. She finds a small white envelope and removes a card. Bill tries to pluck it out of her hand. Uh, you, you don't want to read that. Oh, why? Did you have a weak moment and get mushy? <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, give it to me. No, too late. It's already open. She smiles teasingly at him. She starts to read the card, and the smile fades. Get well soon, Uncle Buddy. Love, Gloria and Milton. She looks at Bill for an explanation. I got it from a patient at the hospital. <laughs> Oh. I, it's not like I stole them. <laughs> I had to promise Uncle Buddy a free nose job. <laughs> he smiles. Mary doesn't. He moves towards her. Hey, I don't know about you, but I don't like being in two separate towns. Hey, I don't know about you. <laughs> but, but, I don't like being in two separate towns. Lou nods and continues typing. <laughs> Look, uh, it's a little hard to talk with, um... Uh, couldn't you... Lou is madly typing, mumbling to himself. All my love, Lou! All my love, <laughs> Lou. Hey, that's it, I'm finished. <laughs> Lou rips the paper from the typewriter, folds and pockets it, then walks to the door unsteadily, opens it, turns, and says with resolve, I think I'm gonna go tie one up. Mary, her eyes on Bill, just nods, and Lou exits. Bill, a bit more sure of himself now, moves to Mary, takes both her hands, pulls her to her feet, and puts his arms around her. Kind of a weird boss you have there, huh? I don't know. I think it was kind of nice, you know, a man who misses his wife that much. <laughs> Couldn't wait, could you? <laughs> Couldn't wait for what? 
to bring up marriage. I waited two years, so that's not exactly couldn't wait. That's waiting. That's really waiting. Uh, okay, you're right. I'm wrong. Enough talk. That's not why I'm here. Oh. Why are you here? Well, I haven't seen you for a month or so, and, uh, I mean, you don't think the only reason I'm here is, uh, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, uh, I'm here because I, I love you. Something that's been very complicated has just become terribly simple. How come I never noticed that before? That I love you? That you don't say it very well. I mean, like, something catches in there somewhere, and it doesn't come out too well. Well, maybe you could give me some lessons. That you say very well. Her words halt him, then he smiles at her, but without much amusement. Hey, we've got the night ahead of us, and we're getting all hung up on words. Why don't you get us out of this? You say everything so well. No, I don't. I say a lousy goodbye. It also dawns on him that the lady has tears in her eyes. Bill stands there, nodding sagely to conceal his discomfort. There's an awkward silence, which is broken by a doorbell. Mary goes to the door and opens it on Lou. Hi. You happen to have a stamp? <laughs> Let me look. As she begins to go through a desk, Bill moves towards the door. Mary, did you just say goodbye? Uh-huh. That's what I thought you said. Well, I'll see you. Take care of yourself. I think that's what I just did. <laughs> Bill gives an uneasy chuckle and exits. Mary is suddenly incredibly active as she rummages through the desk. She comes up with a stamp and hands it to Lou, not looking at him. This is a... Christmas seal. She rummages some more, coming up with another stamp. She holds it out to him, still sniffling. Is that a stamp? Yeah. Thanks. He walks to the door and pauses. That guy? He didn't lose much. Well, he sure did. He just lost out on the best wife that... Oh, boy. You sure see things differently after four weeks? I could have married him. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? Every time I'd get flowers, I'd wonder if he'd just swiped them from Uncle Buddy's sickbed. If I were you, I'd find out what Uncle Buddy was sick with. <laughs> you know what? I'm lucky. I'm really lucky. He opens the door. You feel good now, huh? Yes. No, I feel rotten. <laughs> but lucky. Freeze frame. We fade out into back two. The tag. Mary's apartment. Moments later. Mary is staring out the window and Lou is looking at her, weaving slightly. Look, about the job. I'll find plenty for you to do tomorrow. Thank you. If I show up. <laughs> He opens the door and starts out, nearly bumping into Rhoda. Hi. Hi. He staggers out, Rhoda watching him. If that's Bill, you didn't lose much. It's <laughs> what everybody says. It didn't work out, huh? 
Did Bess tell you? No, I figured it out for myself. I've got this tremendous sensitivity. <laughs> and you've got this heating duct that goes right up to my apartment. <laughs> Mary nods. It's been that kind of night. You want to be alone? Yes. Well, that's dumb. You shouldn't be alone. <laughs> <laughs> you should be talking to a friend. Now, let's see. Where can we get you a friend? <laughs> no, this is pretty short notice. Tell you what. I'll fill in as your friend until I can find you the real thing. You're on. Hey, why don't you come upstairs? See my apartment. That's very nice of you, but... Oh, come on. We'll have a terrific time listening to my heating duct. <laughs> but if I'm up there, there won't be anything to hear. No, I got two channels. I can pick up Phyllis's, too. <laughs> Mary laughs as they exit, and we fade out the end.